1: Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Packaday Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Packaday Podcast and the Blue Wire Network.
0: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. Day podcast.
1: What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome into the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe. Would always appreciate that, and of course, make sure to follow the podcast at Pack a Day Podcast as well. Great show lined up for you today. In a bit, I'm gonna be going over really my 2021 grades, but more importantly, how they compare to my 2020 grades, you know, 12 games into the season. Um, I think there's some really interesting things to kind of glean and to see how Green Bay compares Last year to this year, kind of a self scout on this bye week, if you will. Uh, But I also want to take a look at some of the games from Sunday, how it affects Green Bay moving forward, a look ahead to next week, the playoffs, and so on and so forth. So let's start things off with Sunday's slate of games because there's nothing quite better than being able to sit home as a Packer fan on your couch on the bye week, knowing that you're a nine and three team, you're sitting pretty, and getting to watch the Bears and the Vikings just look terrible, right? Specifically, the Minnesota Vikings taking on the winless Detroit Lions who have not had a win in 364 days. And the Lions come out with a win after a you know really sort of crazy ending, right? Lions had the lead. They decided to go for it on fourth down deep in their own territory, they don't get it. It was an interesting play call, to say the least. the The Vikings go down, score a touchdown. The Lions still have time to go down and score a touchdown of their own. But it's Jared Goff and a Lions offense against this Mike Zimmer defense. It's not looking great. And that Mike Zimmer defense had some very questionable play calls, some three man rushes. Like if you're going against Jared Goff, the number one thing you need to know is just get him. You know, get pressure on him, get him off his spot. Jared Goff, if he never had to deal with pressure, pretty darn good quarterback. He can sit in a pocket and he can deliver and he can throw the ball accurately. It's just he doesn't respond to pressure very well. Minnesota on that last drive decides to go some three-man rush and not pressure him and and just really allow him some easy completions to get that, that drive going. They drive all the way down the field. There's one play left in the game and Jared Goff to Amon Ross St. Brown. Packer fans love the St. Brown family. Of course, Equinimius is his brother. And Amon Ross St. Brown gets the Lions their first win of the season, along with Jared Goff. And of course, hands the Vikings a devastating loss. There's no two ways about it. Listen, two weeks ago, when the Vikings, I jokingly said, won their Super Bowl, uh, which is of course beating the Packers. When that happened, listen, there's there's a real possibility following that week that the Vikings may be able to get back in the NFC North, right? They have a couple, you know, maybe easy is the wrong word, but like San Francisco and Detroit isn't exactly a brutal two-game stretch. Meanwhile, the Packers have to face the Rams, and you knew that was going to be a tough matchup. It wasn't unthinkable that the Packers could have lost to the Rams and that the Vikings could easily beat the the 49ers and the Lions. That's easily within the realm of possibility, right? The Vikings already had the game tiebreaker from beating the Packers, and they have a game left where if the Vikings win that game, now that the North gets very, very interesting. At minimum, even if Green Bay beats the Rams and Green Bay continues to do well, the Vikings, with two wins against the 49ers and Lions, have certainly solidified their spot as a potential playoff team and you know was trending in the right direction. Instead, following that win against Green Bay— they lose to the 49ers, then lose to the winless Lions. And now they're, you know, they they're gonna have to do everything in their power to basically win out to have a chance. I know that the the playoff picture is crowded at, you know, for that six and seven spot at the end, but they're gonna have to do everything in their power to try to get back in this thing. And it's obviously not looking great. Minnesota fans understandably not happy with the results the past two weeks coming off that win against Green Bay. And the, I mean, the Vikings looked awful. They looked really bad and the Lions won. Like there's no other way to put it. But as a Packer fan, if you're watching on Sunday and you're by week, again, getting to see the, the Vikings lose, the Bears lose. Now I get, I fully understand the Bears winning would have been the better outcome in that game, getting the Cardinals a loss and whatever the case may be. But just in a vacuum, right? Getting to see the Lions get one win a year and the Bears and the Vikings lose while you're sitting at nine and three, because we know the rivalries, right? And if anyone's on social media, you've interacted with Viking fans and Bear fans, and they're very proud and, and, you know, excited about their team every year. But this is usually about where the end of the, the season ends up. And oh, by the way, the NFC North finally, finally has more wins combined than the Packers, meaning the Lions, Bears, and Vikings have uh, one more win, have ten wins to the Packers nine. Here we are in what week thirteen, and the Lions, Vikings, and Bears combined have one more win than the Packers do. It's uh, you know sort of reminiscent, you know, reminiscent of uh, what's been going on in the North for a while now. But if you're a Packer fan, listen, enjoy it. You know, these things tend not to last forever. I mean, it's only been three decades that this has mostly been going on for, but, you know, for now, enjoy it. Packers have the bye, nine and three, and get to watch the North just, be terrible. So there's that again. As far as other games, you know, in the NFC that really affected the Packers this week, Cardinals beat the Bears, which again not ideal. Uh, Green Bay is going to have to hope that you know the Cardinals lose a couple games coming up, and the Packers can you know hopefully win out. I think winning their next five games is certainly within the realm of possibility. Speaking of which, of the five games that they played, the Browns had a bye, but the the rest of the teams that they play the remainder of the way went a combined one in three this week. The one win, the Detroit Lions. Go figure. The NFL is just insane. You can never quite figure it out. Uh, but the other big NFC game, you know, at least in regards to standings at the top of the NFC, the Buccaneers beat the Falcons as well. So yesterday on the video on YouTube, I mentioned if you can get one of those three games—Vikings, Cardinals, Bucks—if one of those three can can lose, you you probably feel pretty decent about the day. You probably would have preferred it to be the Cardinals or the Bucks, but the end of the day, Cardinals and Bucks win mostly as expected, easily as expected. And then the Vikings somehow find a way to lose to the Lions, which really just clears up the NFC North, right? Your your magic number is two. The remainder of the way for the Packers, some combination of Vikings losses and Packers wins just needs to add up to two and the Packers will be your NFC North champions. Again, that seems like low hanging fruit at this point. I get that. But uh, again, every coach uh, we'll, and GM will start off by saying, we need to win the division first, you get a home playoff game, and that's where Green Bay is certainly trending at the moment, and hopefully that's just the start of what hopefully can be an epic playoff season. So where does that leave the NFC standings right now? Well, of course, Cardinals are number one, Packers are currently number two, Tampa would be three, the Cowboys would be four, Rams five, Washington six, and 49ers seven, which means if the season ended today, you would have 49ers at Packers at Lambeau Field. If they would win that game, again, if the season ended today, a very good chance, a very good probability that you'd either have Tampa Bay coming to Green Bay, you know, assuming Green Bay could beat San Francisco, of course, uh, but Tampa Bay uh, against Green Bay or maybe Dallas Green Bay. So either Tom Brady in a rematch of last year's NFC Championship great game and, and Brady Rogers again, or Mike McCarthy versus the Green Bay Packers. Those are things that currently could happen. Now, of course, lots of season left. And if you're a Packer fan, you're still hoping you can get to that one seed. Of course, Green Bay has a huge advantage that they have the tiebreaker with the Cardinals from beating them earlier this season. But they're going to have to get even in the loss column first in order for that tiebreaker to take place, and for that to happen, they need the Cardinals to lose at least one game. If the Cardinals can lose one, and the Packers can win out. They're going to have a really good chance for that number one seed. Speaking of which, if you're looking at tiebreakers, one of the things that's always really important is the NFC uh, conference tiebreakers. Green Bay's really you know strong in that category right now. And one of the really nice things is they're two, arguably, their two toughest opponents the rest of the way the Browns and the Ravens, both AFC teams. The three NFC teams they play the Lions, the Bears, and the Vikings. If they can win those three, obviously they would be the NFC North champions. They would uh, add three wins to their record. They wouldn't have any more NFC losses. And then it's just Browns and Ravens, right? So we'll see what the rest of this season brings. Green Bay doesn't exactly have a daunting schedule the rest of the way, but. There's no room for error, right? It's so important to try to get that number one seed, the loan by not having to face, you know, either that number, you know, I guess a number three seed, um, you, you know, right away, like there, there's a lot, a lot of advantage uh, to obviously getting that one seed and, and certainly Green Bay will be fighting for that the remainder of this season. All right, let's take a quick look ahead to next week because there are some games that certainly, and I know we don't want to get too far ahead here, but they're certainly going to be very important, obviously, just the Packers and Bears, right? So Packers trying to continue their winning ways. They're going to open that game as 13-point favorites, so looking ahead to that. But the three games that really could affect Green Bay in the seeding, the Cowboys will go to Washington. Washington playing fantastic, Taylor Heineke playing very, very well. Um, I mean, for Taylor Heineke, I guess I'm not putting him on a you know Pro Bowl pedestal here, but he's playing good football, and so is Washington, and that's going to be a really fun Cowboys Washington game in Washington. Bills at Buccaneers. Tom Brady said it's going to be the toughest challenge they have this season, and that should be a phenomenal game. Now the Bills coming off a Monday night game that we'll get to watch tonight against the Patriots, which there'll be a lot of energy, uh, you know, that probably goes into that game, a huge divisional game, and then Buffalo's got to turn around and go to Tampa. And face Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, so not a, a easy stretch of two games for the Bills, but that that's a potential, right? That that's a good Bills team that could go into Tampa and potentially beat them. And then you've got Rams at Cardinals, another huge, huge game when it comes to NFC seeding. So three interesting teams against all five hundred or, or better records. If Green Bay can get that win against Chicago again, Cowboys, Bucks, Cardinals, all fairly tough opponents this upcoming week, you got to think that the NFC could shift uh, in a couple different ways, dependent upon what happens in those games. I think that's kind of the main things that I wanted to discuss from Sunday's slate of action and some of the happenings. I guess the one other thing with the Packers facing the, the Ravens coming up, they lost their, their best corner, Marlon Humphrey, for the remainder of the season. Uh, so that's one uh, big time player that they will not have to face when they face the Ravens later this year. let's jump into uh, some of my grades so far this year. For those of you who are unfamiliar, I grade every player on every play all season long. This is my fifth season doing it. I've used the same exact grading skill for four years now and a similar grading scale for for five seasons. My first year was a tad bit different. Years two through five have all been exactly the same. So uh, either way, what I'm going to do today is kind of compare grades between last year through 12 games and this year at 12 games. So I'm not going to go into like an insane amount of detail and the numbers aren't going to mean necessarily a ton to you, uh, but I'll get the main things. And and let's start with the offensive side of the ball. So I think the biggest thing to note here is that Green Bay at every position has gone down in grades so far this season. Quarterback is down almost in half. Uh running back is about the same, wide receiver is about the same, just slight, you know, decreases, but running back and wide receiver just about the same. Tight ends a little bit down, nothing egregious again. But the big one, the massive one last year. And again, I don't want to get too deep into the numbers here, but last year the Packers offensive line through 12 games, I had a plus 39.45 grade on them. Almost a plus 40 grade through through 12 games, a massive grade in huge part due to Bakhtiari and Jenkins and Corey Lindsley playing very, very well, but even Lucas Patrick and Billy Turner and Rick Wagner were all also grading in the positive at that point. Through this season, through 12 games, the Packers offensive line, negative 12.95. So basically almost plus 40 to minus 13. That is a massive 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 difference and somebody I was posting my top fives uh on online on Twitter this week for the top five and, and uh, or top five offensive players and top five defensive players and somebody who's followed me for a while astutely pointed out it is so weird to see you post your top five offensive players and not see an offensive lineman or two in that list because for years now David Bakhtiari consistently in the top five Corey Lindsley, top five type of player. Elton Jenkins was certainly getting in that threshold the, the uh, last year. And this year, it just hasn't been the case. The offensive line has been much, much worse. Of course, in large part due to injuries. But you, just, you haven't seen the explosive plays running the football. You haven't seen the red zone offensive efficiency, which in my opinion is mostly due to the offensive line. You've seen Aaron not be able to maybe buy quite as much time. I don't think the offensive line is playing terrible by any means. Yes, they're in the negative. Yes, there's some players that, you know, they could love to get back like Bakhtiari and Myers. But there's guys that just need to play better as well. I'm going to go over some of the key differences in just a moment player by player. But that is by far and away. Like the quarterback like Rodgers... A huge part of that is he was just playing at such an insane high level a season ago. And I think everyone would fairly admit, like, he's still having a really nice season this year. It's just not quite what it was a season ago. Spoiler alert, that's in large part due to the offensive line. Running back, same thing, right? I think we could all agree Jones and Dylan are better than Jones and Williams, you know, last year. And Williams is a good running back too. But Dylan, I think Dylan this year is better than Williams was last year. But we haven't seen the explosive plays, and Aaron Jones uh, just hasn't had the same opportunities that he had a season ago to break some of those huge runs. Spoiler alert again, that's a lot due to the offensive line. difference in the purchase price. Recently, I was just able to pick up tickets to Packers, Vikings in Minnesota. going to be heading West for that game. Attending my first game in the new Viking stadium. Cannot wait for that. Let me tell you, it was so incredibly easy to use TickPick. No awful service fees. I cannot recommend it enough. And the easiest way to do so is by going to TickPick.com slash Packaday today to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets or any other tickets that you want to purchase. Receivers are running at a similar, um, you know, winning at a similar pace and grading at a similar pace. Tight end, I think the big thing here is Tunyon's injury and just you know, even earlier in the season he had to help a lot. Again, spoiler alert: Why did he have to help at the tackle positions? Again, some of those injuries and needing to help the offensive line. So, if you want to know why, you know, maybe the the point production isn't quite there. And if you're wondering exactly what that means, well, last year through 12 games, the Packers scored 30 plus points in nine out of 12 games. This year, only four out of 12 games. There's a huge difference there. Take away all defensive touchdowns or defensive points. I think there was a safety last year, if memory serves. Green Bay's offense last year at this point had 363 points. This year, 277 almost 90 less points offensively through 12 games. Meanwhile, if you look at that from a points per game standpoint, that's that's a touchdown less per game this year. 23 points per game this year, again just offensive points, 30.3, 30.25 last year. Over 7 points per game less this year than they were at a season ago through 12 games. That's a big difference. I mean, imagine just telling you, like, hey, the the difference between scoring 30 points per game and 23 points per game. What is your win-loss record going to be? Now, of course, we'll get to the defense in just a second, but that is a big, big difference. And I I do think Green Bay's trending in the right direction. We're going to talk about that with the defense in just a second as well. I'm going to get to that later this week. I don't know what day yet. I don't know uh, how I'll get there. Maybe it's tomorrow. I think probably tomorrow. But I'm going to look at some of the ways that I think Green Bay, I'm, I'm hoping, I haven't looked at the numbers yet, but I think is really trending in the right direction over the course of the last maybe month of the season or so. But we'll we'll get to that as, uh, as the rest of the week goes on. But I think it's clear to say that the offense isn't exactly at the level that they were a season ago. So what about the defense? Clearly, the defense must be grading out much, much better than they were a season ago, right? I was very surprised by this myself. I'm just going to be totally transparent with you. I actually have the defense grading out slightly uh, worse than they were last year at this point. Now let's look at the points first. So there is a difference and it's a fairly significant difference. They allowed 299 points by this point of season ago. They've allowed 242 this year. So it's about a 57-point difference, which you know is about you know a little over four points per game, almost almost five points per game. That's a big difference. No, no two ways about it. So Green Bay definitely is performing better defensively from a point standpoint this, this year. Defensive line, they're performing better. I have a better grade on them this year. Edge, I have a slightly worse grade. Linebacker, I have a much better grade this year on, which again, Devondre Campbell, Chris Barnes is playing better. And then corner and safety, I actually have them graded out worse as well. At this point last year, they were at a plus 7.85. This year, they're at a plus 3.15. So, not that much different. But I certainly would have expected the Packers to be grading out much better on defense this year than they were a season ago because clearly, clearly, the Packers' defense has been much better this year than they were a season ago. So, how does that, how do you reconcile those two things, right? My defensive grades were better a season ago, but the defense is better this season. So obviously, I'm just an idiot, right? Here's, in my opinion, the reason why. First of all, if you take away Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith, they were basically plus 11.1 last year. Take that away, Green Bay's defense is well in the negative, and this year's defense is grading much better. They don't have Alexander and Zadarius Smith. And you might say, well, Andy, even without them, they're playing better. And I agree. However, how my grades are set up is that you're grading individual players. You're not grading the play. So for example, I could have, I was, I forget who I was talking. I think I was actually talking about to to Mike Wall about this on Thursday last week when we recorded our show, we chatted a little bit after, but you'll have plays where Green Bay gives up a big touchdown or something, right? And I'm putting, I'm grading every player on the play and 10 of the players graded out well, either maybe neutral or, or positive on the play, and just one player screwed up. And you look at the play as a whole, and there's more positives than negatives. And the grade, the, the grade individually for everyone combined, graded out as a positive. There's a massively negative play in the game. And that's because one player screwed it up. And that happens sometimes. What I've seen from this defense is much more team defense. And it's maybe not a lot of individual plays, but it's the team playing together. And the biggest thing I will say here, the most important thing I will say here is, yes, no Z and no Jair and some of these players who were grading out really well individually a season ago, but they were still able to pick on your Channon Sullivans and your Kevin Kings and so on and so forth. They didn't have inside linebackers that could make plays, Christian Kirksey, you know, Kamal Martin, etc the biggest thing I can tell you is that the scheme and the, the, the ability for the Packers to play team defense is so much better this season. And that's a credit to Joe Barry. There would be plays last year where I was grading, where I would look at all 11 players and say, I can't give anyone a negative grade on this play. Yet it was a massively negative graded play because the offense just had a better call than the defense. The defense wasn't in a position to make a play on the ball or, or just you know shut down the opposing play. You'd sometimes tip your cap to the opposing offense, but that happened a lot more a season ago with Mike Pettin. This year, you don't see that as much. You see Joe Barry have a consistent scheme and everyone's on the same page and it's trending in the right direction as well. We've seen them play much better defensively in the last couple months. Early in the season, we didn't see it quite as much, which is why some of those grades really early in the year are really kind of tanking that overall grade. But I, I love where this Packers defense is at, and I think it's very easy to explain why maybe they were grading them a little bit better from an individualistic standpoint last season. But if you want to look at this team and how they're playing team defense, it's, it's much better this year, and that's a huge, huge credit to Joe Barry. So let's really quickly take a look at some of the individual players. Let's take a look at the, the the five players who have gone down the most. And obviously, a lot of these players aren't, you know, they're, they're not all the same, right? Like, I'm not going to compare, compare Christian Kirksey to Devontre Campbell here. I'm just comparing players who played, you know, enough games last year through 12 weeks through, you know, players who, the same players who have played enough games through 12 weeks this year. My five players who have decreased the most Number one, Aaron Rodgers. Again, a huge part of that isn't because he's playing bad this year, but was just playing so great last year. Number two, Lucas Patrick had him at plus 3.7 last year at this point, negative 4.4 this year. Pretty big decrease for Lucas Patrick. Number three, Alan Lazard, plus 5.9 last year, negative 0.7 so far this year. Number four is Elton Jenkins. Part of that's due to injury missing a couple games uh, where he probably would have graded in the positive and been closer. Uh, But I also thought he was actually a little bit better last year. Big reason why. He got to play his natural left guard position. Wasn't quite as much on an island at left tackle, but was plus 7.9 last year, plus 2.65 this year. And then number five was Billy Turner. Plus plus 1.0 basically last year, 3.1% so far this year. So Jenkins, Turner, Patrick, all decreased. Alan Lazard at wide receiver. And then of course, Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. The five players who have increased the most year over year last year to this year, number one, Kenny Clark plus 6.3. Remember Clark was injured a little bit at the beginning of last year, came back and just didn't quite look like himself. So a big increase for Kenny Clark so far this year. Next up is Preston Smith, Remember, Preston really struggled a season ago, just never got things going. He has had a much better year so far this year. Not quite the year he had in 2019, but certainly much better than the year he had in 2020. Next up would be Rashawn Gary, plus 3.75 so far this year over last year. Then is Dean Lowry graded negative 3.6 last year, much better so far this year. And then last but not least is Adrian Amos, Amos, excuse me, who had plus 3.2 last year, really nice season through this point, but plus 5.1 this year. So five biggest decreases, Rodgers, Patrick, Lazard, Jenkins, Turner, five biggest increases, Clark, Preston, Gary, Lowry, Amos. Notice a trend. Five biggest players who went down, offensive side of the ball. Five biggest players who went up, defensive side of the ball. So that's where things are at. That's uh, that's the difference between last year and this year. What does it mean moving forward? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I do think, as I mentioned, uh, that I think Green Bay really needs David Bakhtiari back. I think they need to shore up this offensive line a little bit. Reintroduce, hopefully, a couple of players that could help them a lot in Myers and Bakhtiari, assuming they can both play at the level they're capable of playing at. And the defense just needs to continue on the track that they're on. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really fun if they can get Zayaria Smith and, and Jair Alexander back on that defense. This defense is already playing really good football, and I still think they have the opportunity to be better, which is really fun to think about. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Always appreciate it. I'll be right back here tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, go Pack, go.